<clears throat> Hello and welcome to Healthline 3. I'm Terry Simmons. Today we're talking about oral head and neck cancer with Dr. G.E. Ghali, Director of Oral and Maxillofacial Surgery with WK Oral and Maxillofacial Surgery Institute, also with the Willis Knight Health System. So we'll be taking your calls throughout the show, and as a reminder, please make sure you're in a nice quiet room with your TV turned all the way down before making your call. And you know the number is 318-219-4569, and we look forward to hearing from you on this topic. Dr. Ghali, thank you for being here. Thank you, Terry, for having me. Sure. Let's talk a little bit about what you do generally, and then we'll get more specific with actually head and neck cancer. Sure. Uh, well, I'm, I'm an oral and maxillofacial surgeon, and uh, I've been here in Shreveport for nearly three decades, I guess. I moved here when I was five years old. So That's must be. Must I'm, have. And I'm 35 now. Prodigy. <laughs> <laughs> But thank you for having me. <laughs> sure, we really love having you here. And I'm really fascinated. We were talking a little bit during the break about oral cancer and, and head and neck cancer. And actually, when you talk about head cancer, um, I was doing some research on what does that mean because I knew it wasn't brain cancer. But when we talk about head cancer, tell us what all that involves and why it's so intricate. Uh, it's interesting and intricate. You know, we, we learned in, in dental school and in medical school, you know, the head and neck is probably one of the most complex areas because, uh, you know, you're dealing with uh, the sense of smell, the sense of vision, the sense of taste, swallowing, everything. It's a very complex area. And, uh, the, clearly, there's a multitude of blood vessels and nerves and, and, and such that, that run in that area. So it's very, very complex. And so we're talking about uh, malignancies, cancers, uh, carcinomas and, and maybe sarcomas and maybe lymphomas that occur um, anywhere in the face, around the eye sockets, uh, around mm -hmm. the nose, nasal cavity, sinuses, palate, mouth, throat, neck, uh, and uh, of course in the thyroid and, and parathyroid glands as well. So it's a very complex area. And as I mentioned earlier, um, only about 5% of of cancers involve the head and neck of if you look at the total body but of those five percent they all involve some form of, of intricacy related to our ability to speak or ability to taste or ability to uh, uh, sp uh, speak swallow eat um, and things like that kiss I mean the, the, all these things are involved and so it's an area that has a huge impact um, if you look at uh, cancers of the head and neck, uh, there's about 70,000 uh, new cancers of the head and neck in the United States each year. Uh, if you say, well, gosh, uh, how does that compare to, say, breast cancer? Uh, it's about uh, uh, breast, there's about four times the number of breast cancers than there are uh, head and neck cancers. But again, the intricacy of the area is, 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 is quite significant. Of those 70,000 head and neck cancers and what I'd like to kind of focus on today as well is those that occur in the oral cavity and those that occur in the throat. So basically the mouth and the throat area. And uh, that really represents about two thirds of, of head and neck cancers are ones that are, occur in the mouth and in the throat. And those are the ones that interestingly uh, we as healthcare professional, professionals have a big impact on, particularly the dental community. Uh, dental hygienists and, de and dentists in general, you know, they're the ones that can pick those up early. 
sometimes it's difficult to pick up early on a breast cancer or on a colon cancer or on a prostate cancer, uh, but the mouth is so accessible and we ought to be going to the dentist twice a year and getting our teeth cleaned and, and, and our mouth examined with an oral cancer screening. So uh, if that's done properly and done on a regular basis, cancers ought to be picked up early, early enough to have a significant impact on the, the, the survivability. That's really so interesting you bring that up because that's what I was thinking for my question here is that um, is that something, I never thought about it, but is that something that you think it might be obvious, but is that something a dentist also is trained to look for? Things Ab absolutely, bit, yeah. absolutely. Uh, generally, uh, an oral cancer uh, screening exam is done at least once, preferably twice a year by your dentist when you go in. Oh. And you should you should ask them, you know, are, are you doing an oral cancer screening exam? Uh, and if it's not done by the dentist, it ought to at least be done by the, by the dental hygienist. Both are qualified in doing uh, an exam. And, and frankly, Terry, it only takes about a minute to a minute and a half to do a, a fairly thorough uh, uh, oral exam. Uh, they would look in your mouth and look in your throat, uh, around your tongue, roof of your mouth, uh, maybe feel your neck for yeah. any enlarged lymph nodes. Um, and so that's all appropriately done at a, at a, at a dentist's office and really is, a, is an easy way to, to screen. And then one, if anything is found, then oftentimes uh, the patients will then be referred to uh, either the oral surgeon or to the ear, nose, and throat doctor for further evaluation and testing. So that's something we might not even realize that's what they're doing. It's just a typical thing. They might reach in and squeeze your your right. cheeks and right. and your lips and while they're squeeze your around. lips, yeah. squeeze your cheeks. Maybe take a uh, obviously have wear gloves and mm -hmm. you know they grab your tongue with a little gauze and pull it out and move yeah. it one way and another. It's not like they particularly like to feel your tongue, but it, I think I think it's because they want to move things around so they can better visually inspect the area. Yeah, yeah. never realized that's what that was for, but that's a, right. yeah, so is that how, first of all, how common is oral cancer and, and how often should it be screened? <clears throat> if it's not by your dentist, do we, should we mindfully be getting screened once a year, even if you don't have it like, sometimes we hear, uh, I have several questions in one here, you know, you hear a lot of oral cancer and people say, oh, are they a smoker? That's the first mm -hmm. thing they ask, smoker. Right. Do they dip or chew a lot of times in, in this part of the country? Well, Terry, that's a good question. Oh, I well, like you, doctor, <laughs> yeah, that's so a, answer that's, all that. That's, so. that's a good question. Well, um, when it comes to what the cause of, of cancer, I mean, just uh, smoking in and of itself, uh, is probably responsible for about 50% of the cancers in the entire body it, mm. it, itself, uh, particularly cigarette smoking. Uh, there's a whole you know, other issue with other forms of, of tobacco, which aren't necessarily as well correlated with the development of cancer, but there is a, a relationship. And, and certainly with cigarette uh, smoking, with vaping and things like that, that's a whole nother, a whole nother topic. Uh, but about half of the cancers in the body uh, are in some way or another associated with uh, cigarette smoking. The other half are not, and then of those other half that 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 are not, there's various other causes that 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 could. Probably one of the best uh, documented um, causes of uh, throat cancer, not necessarily mouth cancer, but we're talking about throat, like the way in the back of the tongue, maybe your tonsil area, maybe your the, that that what they what they call base of tongue and tonsil mm -hmm. area. Um, 
there's been a lot of research done in the past 10 to 15 years looking at HPV, the human papillomavirus, oh. uh, P16 HPV, the same virus that uh, causes cervical cancer mm -hmm. in, in women, um, has been really linked quite closely with many of the cancers that occur in the throat. Indeed, Indeed, <laughs> about 70% of the cancers uh, that occur in the throat nowadays, at least two-thirds to 70% are HPV positive. So one could say that throat cancers, many of the throat cancers we see nowadays are, could be considered to be a sexually transmitted type of uh, disease. Uh, fortunately, there's a vaccine that uh, exists nowadays, particularly uh, administered to adolescents, that, that may help with, uh, so you don't catch the HPV virus. Uh, but fortunately, the HPV-associated cancers, Terry, do a lot better. Oh. They have a better prognosis related to uh, proper treatment uh, with uh, radiation and, and chemotherapy. Wow, that's fascinating. So I do want to know about the treatments and what happens once you find out that you, you do have this type of cancer. What, how else is it screened? Like besides, we talked about the dentist. And is there something we find ourselves and we look, how does this happen where sure. it progresses? Um, you know, w one of the misconceptions about cancers, are, uh, particularly oral cancer, is that it's painful. Mm -hmm. And typically it's not painful. Many of the early signs of it are, I just got a bump or uh, uh, an ulcer. And oftentimes there's no pain associated with that. So self-screening is very important. Uh, as we mentioned, kind of looking in your tongue and things like that when you brush your teeth and hopefully everybody brushes their tongue as well. And uh, because the tongue and the floor of the mouth, which is the area right underneath the tongue in the front, those are the two most common areas for oral cancer. Oh. And so those are areas that are really accessible to the patient for them to see themselves. And I'm not saying to obsess and to look every single day, but I would say you looking a couple of times a year and at least the dentist looking once, if not twice a year, or the dental hygienist is really the way to screen it. Mm -hmm. the best way to, to, to do a screening exam for oral cancer. And then if something, if you see something that's suspicious, bring it to the attention of the dentist, and then they, they will then uh, evaluate you and refer you to the, to the appropriate individual. And then what happens? Like how is it, there's a screening, how is it actually right. diagnosed where you so find out? The actual diagnosis uh, is done by biopsy. Okay. And so there's really no, the gold standard is to biopsy. It's easy to get to. You, you know, the, the surgeon or the dentist or surgeon uh, will numb the area up and take a little piece of that tissue and submit it to the pathologist and usually within a week you'll, you'll have a result of, of what it is. And the most common cancer that, that occurs in the oral cavity uh, is uh, squamous cell carcinoma. Okay, and how serious is that? Pretty serious. Pretty serious. Yes, yeah, it's, it's it's pretty serious. If 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 this cancer can be caught in stage one or stage two, the cure rate is is much higher. Um, as a matter of fact, stage one, where you have a very small little little bitty cancer, early uh, type of cancer, has a cure rate of probably ninety to ninety five percent. Once you get to stage three, the cure rate drops to about forty to fifty percent. Mm. So that means about half of those patients. Have, will be uh, will have died by the time uh, you know uh, at the, the five-year interval. So this is something that's 
potentially fatal, not just that you would lose part of your, what yeah. are the different things that can happen if it does go too far or what happens with the, the treatments? Is something removed? Is there, right. how, so, how does it treat it? Uh, well, the treatment, uh, if I back up and say the, the uh, it, it is a serious cancer. Uh, oral cancer, it's different than say skin cancer. Mm -hmm. You know, when we talk about uh, cancers that happen on the skin, squamous cell or basal cell cancers, we're not talking about melanomas, we're talking strictly about squamous cell or basal cell cancers. Those are, are, are fairly indolent. Uh, they, they, they don't tend to spread very quickly or very easily. And uh, they have a very high cure rate. Oral cancers tend to spread uh, quite um, early. And mm -hmm. so, so picking them up, the earlier you pick them up, the better. As a matter of fact, sometimes when you go to the dentist and they screen you, uh, they can see some of these little white lesions and red lesions in the mouth. And they may be overly cautious, but they will re then refer you to get that biopsy. And, and a lot of times, if this can be caught in the pre-malignant stage, that's the best stage to catch it. Uh, because then at that, uh, at, at that stage, you get the absolute best cure rate. Uh, possible that you could get. Uh, the treatment for uh, oral cancers or throat cancers, the mainstay of treatment is surgery, uh, uh, followed by chemotherapy and radiation in certain select cases, depending on what's found at the time of surgery. Okay, so the best thing to do is as soon as you see anything that just looks a little different, go see about it. As Absolutely. Soon as possible. Absolutely. Yeah, and maybe talk to your dentist too. I know I'm going to. I had no idea that's yeah. really the screening. And then when you go every year or, or six months, it's just really. They're basically they're the gatekeepers. The, yeah. the, the dentist and the dental hygienist are going to be the ones that are going to yeah. pick up a majority of the oral uh, cancers. I never even thought about being concerned about having an oral cancer screening ever because do you think that people a lot that's a lot of people they don't think about that they don't think about oral cancer or uh, or if they're not the typical thing that we talked about because not every cancer is in oral cancer is caused by smoking or any kind of habit like that but if I'm not a smoker I don't do any of that and I might not think about oral cancer right. at all. I might not even think to look for it. Right, but it's still, there's, there's still a, a subset of patients when we talk about the mouth itself. Certainly the throat has a high incidence of nearly 70% of those are gonna be HP, HPV positive. Right. But just the mouth itself, you will find a, a significant percentage of our patients have no history of smoking, yeah. no history of drinking, uh, no history of HPV or anything else, and have no family history of cancer, uh, and it just ha it just happens. So, what what this is telling us, Terry, is that there needs to be more research in the area. There needs to be uh, research uh, focused on what are the genetically predisposing factors to developing oral cancer. I mean, you can have someone that's been smoking for, you know, 50 or 60, 70 years and not have one, but and then you can also have a patient that has it in their 25 years old. Uh, fortunately, that's a rare instance, but it does happen. And is it something that's hereditary? Is this one of those things to look at? Uh, I, I would say probably not hereditary. More lifestyle? But or more, more probably lifestyle. And maybe there are some genetic mm -hmm. uh, factors that we don't fully understand at this time. And we talked about the tongue and the floor of the mouth. 
Uh, are there other places where cancer you see you, that you see it developing, like the cheek or the gums right. or anything, bone? Is we see any? it all over the place, yeah. in, the, in, in, in the mouth, uh, in the salivary glands. You know, there's thousands of salivary glands throughout yes. the mouth, in addition to the big ones that you have in your cheeks and in your neck. There's, uh, there's uh, thousands of small ones that occur throughout the oral cavity, so you sort of can get cancers there. Um, but we see cancers in the, in the tonsillar area, in the palate, uh, in, in, in the throat, all the way all the way down uh, in the esophagus and in the larynx, uh, in the thyroid and in the parathyroid glands as well. Uh, so, you know, fortunately we, we have the uh, capabilities here in the Shreveport-Bossier area at, at really at, at, at all of the hospitals to be able to comprehensively treat uh, uh, these type of patients. It really is incredible, and we're so fortunate in this area. I don't think we can say that enough. Well, um, we are fortunate. I mean, I've seen patients yeah. that uh, you know go for a second opinion at MD Anderson, and then they come back and say, "Oh, you know, we, they told us the same thing. We really would rather be uh, closer to home for for our treatment." And that's Absolutely. that's the important thing: being close to home and being close to where you can get support. Many of these patients that that we operate on that that have these these tumors, and I've seen at least six this this week already. Uh, they need full family support. Yes. I mean, they're they're going to need to they're going to spend a week uh, or more in the hospital. They're going to need a, a week or, or two of rehab potentially because a lot of times when we do these surgeries, we have to take tissue from other parts of the body and transfer it in to uh, wow. to recreate the, the defect. Mm, another story altogether. We can find out more about altogether. that. <laughs> we have someone. We have a caller for you. Oh, great! Hi, Lewis. Thank you for calling. What's your question? Uh, yes, I need to. Uh, I need to speak with the doctor. Okay, go ahead. He's right here. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. How you doing, Mr. Lewis? Yes. How are uh -huh. you? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. I ain't. I'm, I, I'm saying I'm not doing too good. But uh, uh but anyway, uh, 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 what I'm saying I, I have. What I'm saying I have. I have cancer. I have cancer in the, in the chest. In your chest? Yes. Uh huh. And uh, uh and so and uh, and seeing seeing back and see and back in December, seeing back in December, they had found a spot. They had found they had found a spot. Uh, I'm saying on my lungs, and uh, and then it was a mass and so and so so. So I had to go get a. A bi a bi a biaxis you know, whatever you call that, biaxis Yes. And uh and so and uh and, and then come and find out that it was you know what I'm saying, that it was cancer. That it was cancer and uh uh and and I had it right right from my throat, you know, you know, you know what I'm saying, down my lens but I but I had all my treatments and everything. I had my third bit I've had my, you know, I've had my radiation, and all what I'm saying, and all that kind of stuff. But, but uh, uh, and then too, I got to go back. I got to go back uh, uh, to the cancer doctor. I got to go back uh, on uh, 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 yeah, on May, on May the eighth. I got to go back. Well, you know, you know, when putting me up in the catch can, right. and uh. uh and, and and see it's all gone and uh so uh uh but uh uh but you know you no know, but the question that i want to ask you is uh and i was sitting there listening to you 
you know, you, you, you know, you know, saying that when you're in stage three, you have five years, as you said, in five years you'll be dead. But, uh, uh, but like I say, I, I hope that don't happen to me, and I hope it be all gone uh, by the time I get back to, uh, uh, until I get back, you know, until I go get that get that cat scan done. And uh, but what I'm saying, I got a, I got a. I mean, what I'm saying, I got a real, real uh, terrific doctor. I mean, I got a nice doctor. Right. You know, Doctor V. Uh, right. I know Doctor yes, V. Yeah, he's a good man. Well, Lewis, you know, it, it sounds like you're on the right track. And and when, when I was talking about uh, stage three, uh, so each cancer is a little bit different. Um, and uh, the the five year survival for oral cancer uh, is about a fifty percent five year survival at when it's a stage three cancer. So that means that fifty percent of the patients will unfortunately have passed away by the fifth year. But that also means that fifty percent of the patients are going to be alive at, at five years and could be alive for ten years or fifteen years or twenty years. So hopefully. Praise the Lord! You will be in that category, uh, uh, Lewis. That uh, you know that you'll be around bothering Doctor V for a long time. <laughs> Definitely, and Lewis, we wish you well too with all of that. It sounds like he's really still strong and and healthy and going to get those tests. And hopefully, like he's it. already on that. You know, hoping that it'll be gone next time he has that check. And um, it's so nice that he felt like he could call in and talk directly uh -huh. to you and figure that out and mention Dr. V. So, Louis, we wish you all the best. And, oh, and we have another caller right now, Sheila. Hi, Sheila. Thanks for calling. What's your question? Hi, how are y'all doing today? We're hi. doing well, thank you. Um, hi, Dr. Golly. I, I've seen hi, a lot of your, your work over the years. Um, um, very good doctor. My question is, um, is I know we were talking about you were talking about cancer in the mouth and throat. I have had um, in 2021 I lost my kidney to cancer. I've never smoked or anything in my life before, but now I'm having more dental problems. Do you do uh, regular like extractions? I have a broken crown, or is it just um, the things that you do this for as related to cancer of the mouth and throat. Yeah, yeah, so uh, we, do, uh, we do extraction of teeth and things like that, uh, but most of our focus, uh, as you said, Sheila, is uh, related to the head and neck cancer type treatment. Uh, but uh, uh, your, you know, your your local dentist. I don't know if you have a local dentist here, but they're uh, absolutely more than capable, or the local oral surgeons more than capable of, of of removing any teeth that you need removed. Of course, we don't want you to lose teeth that you don't want that you don't need to lose. So I think it's very very important to, to see your dentist and make sure that those teeth are not teeth that you can save because uh, you need your teeth from a nutritional standpoint and uh, particularly if you've had a history of, of you said kidney cancer that you need to make sure that your nu nutrition is appropriate uh, on the other hand you also don't want to keep teeth uh, if they're infected uh, because you with a history of cancer you are 
de facto uh, immunosuppressed. So, you know, we don't want to have teeth that are infected that could be causing your, um, for lack of better words, your blood to be poisoned by bacteria if you're already immunosuppressed because of your history of cancer. So I agree with you, you need to go get uh, checked out. And uh, if it's something uh, very, very complex, uh, you know, your oral surgeon or your dentist may, may send you to me and I'm happy to see you. Okay. Um, I appreciate that because right now I have a broken crown. Uh, um, Dr. Jeffrey Scrubs put me on some antibiotics, but this is not yeah. something that he does. But the thing is insurance because I have Humana Gold Plus, and uh, it's hard to find somebody that will work with you with, with that. Yeah. Scrubs is a good dentist, so maybe you know if you talk to him about that, I'm sure he'll, he'll help you out. Okay, thank you so much, yes, uh, Dr. Golly, for your time. Yes, ma'am, thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for calling. Good questions. Good questions. Yeah, and it's really interesting, too, how cancer, we're talking about oral and headed neck, but the questions are, you know, and we do, I think, whether we worry about that or it's true, where you have cancer somewhere in your body, and then you do wonder, the big thing, is it going to spread somewhere else? Is it going to go somewhere else, especially if it comes up in, and now talking to this right. about everything in the head and neck that could be affected uh, is really a concern. Well, it is. I mean, we see, uh, uh, fortunately, it's rare, but we see cancers from the breast, uh, from the prostate, from from other areas that actually spread to the head and neck area. Usually, it's just the opposite. The mm -hmm. head and neck one spread somewhere else, uh, in, into the lymph nodes, and, and maybe to the liver or the lungs or the, or the brain. Uh, uh, but we see other cancers that spread to the head and neck as well. And this may be a a question uh, too long of an answer when we only have for about three or four minutes. But I just uh, is there any pattern to where something spreads the trail the pathway when you get cancer somewhere in the body there is there, there is. is that's that's the whole uh, theory behind you might have heard with particularly with melanoma where yeah. they do a sentinel node biopsy mm -hmm. where they actually inject the dye into the uh, melanoma and they take almost like a little gamma probe or a geiger counter because uh, you know cancers tend to spread uh, carcinomas tend to spread through the lymphatics and sarcomas tend to spread uh, through the blood wow. hem hematogenously. So if you know that, uh, particularly with the sarcomas, it's, it's, it's your best bet because it spreads through the blood everywhere. The lymphatics tend to have a bit of a more organized pattern of spread. So if I've got a cancer, say for example, uh, on the lip, I know that it tends to spread to the different levels of nodes in the neck. And so that whole process of understanding that allows us to selectively uh, sample lymph nodes in certain areas. You have a breast cancer, it, it goes to certain lymph nodes in the, in, the, in the axillary area, and those are the ones that are sampled by the general surgeon, by the breast surgeon to, to, to assess. So there are patterns. I'd like to say they're 100%, but they ain't 100%. <laughs> they but, ain't. But, but they ain't, but we know. <laughs> Yeah, we know. Yeah, well, that's very interesting because sometimes you know, we might think that lymph nodes and, and the breast cancer just because it's proximity. I just thought it's because they're close. Yeah, but that's not really true. It's not necessarily proximity. Right. Yeah, yeah. we see that sometimes with midline cancer. Something's close enough to the midline, uh, we may end up doing both sides mm -hmm. because of that. Right. 
And is this done robotically? Can you do these surgeries? We can do some of them robotically, particularly the cancers that involve the base of tongue or the tonsillar area. Uh, back in the day, we would have to do a much more aggressive uh, surgery, and now we can kind of do that. But I think the one important thing I want to say about yeah. head and neck cancer it, it, at the end is multidisciplinary management is important. This is a team effort with dentists and physicians and surgeons and hemonc doctors and speech folks and radiation oncologists and therapists. I mean, it, it is truly a multidisciplinary approach uh, uh, in, in, in getting the best optimal treatment for the patients. So glad you brought that up. And that's a great note to end on. It really does. There's a whole team of people that are involved in this because you talked about as we began, this just brings it around to what we first talked about. There's so much involved in head and neck cancer. So much involved and the, and the more help you can get, the, the better treatment for the patient. Right. And so always start with your primary care physicians and primary and care dentist uh, and then and then go from there mm -hmm. and, um, and don't you know don't don't be afraid because yeah. uh, you know uh, there's 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 good help around here for you oh so much good help here so much and and talk about that thank you so much for taking time out of your day mm -hmm. to come here and share with us our viewers appreciate it Thanks I appreciate it me. I've learned so much as always such a pleasure talking to you and so so start with our doctors and also if we're just I love that you brought the multiple multidisciplinary if we're talking to someone not even related to cancer. It might be something, a physical therapist or anything. Right. It's always a good thing to maybe bring up that cancer discussion. Not like you're hoping bringing it in, right. but just like being aware. And we, and we, use, we use speech pathologists, yeah. physical therapists. I mean, a lot of times you do surgery and they'll get a stiff neck. So yes, there's multidisciplinary involvement. and Just more ways we can be aware and take care of our body. Absolutely. Yeah, all right. Thank you. Anything else you'd like to leave us with, Dr. Golly? Love you. <laughs> <laughs> we love you too. <laughs> That's about it. <laughs> and tell everybody to take care Thank of themselves you. and everything like everything. Just, you know, try not to do that smoking, get drink lots of water, get lots of exercise. Just generally all take those care things. of yourself. Yeah. And just be aware of all that and you're here. You're here if we need us and we need you. So Thank you. All right. Such a pleasure. pleasure um, anything you. else? And look, where are you located? Or do you have an office here or do you just we just call well, you? Well, I'm we need I'm located full time at, at the Willis Knighton Health okay. System. It, I'm not hard to find. There ain't that many gollies around. Ain't that many gollies. No, you are one of a kind, Dr. Golly. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> We've learned so much. And thank you so much for our viewers. Thank you for calling. Um, definitely to both of our viewers, we wish you well and hope that you get well soon. And you'll probably see that other one about her teeth. Very good. Thank, thank you. Thank you again for joining us here on Helpline 3. And we'll see you next time.